Good morning and happy Tuesday to you. It is March 7th and you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven at 7 a.m. This morning, I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour. Let's begin our morning together in prayer as we have a lot to get to today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we do have quite a bit in store for you today. We're going to take a look at some places to pray. We're also going to talk about the Holy Spirit working in our lives, plus our daily dose of encouragement and more on the show today. Before we get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of Saints Felicity and Perpetua. Born in Carthage in the second century, We know much of their story from the journal kept by Perpetua. She came from a family of nobles and in 203 became a Christian as her mother had been and soon her brother did the same thing. Her father, who did not know about her conversion until after the fact, was angered and terrified because he understood that during this period of great persecution, it was a fatal decision. Perpetua was a young mother and still nursing her baby as well. She was arrested along with four other catechumens, including Felicity, who was eight months pregnant, and they were all placed in an extremely crowded, dark, hot prison. Two deacons who visited and administered to the prisoners, paid off the guards, and the catechumens were moved to a somewhat more comfortable part of the prison. In a dream, Perpetua saw that they would not be released but murdered, but she also saw heaven, a message she relayed to her brother. Felicity then gave birth to her baby in prison. Perpetua, Felicity, and the other catechumens were condemned and thrown to wild beasts in the arena in front of a cheering crowd. When they survived that, they were then murdered by the gladiators. Their faith and courage actually led the warden and some of the guards to become Christians themselves. Saints Felicity and Perpetua, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. It's that time of year many of us are planning for spring break, especially if we have kids in school that are going to be off school for a week. What do we do? Where do we go? My wife and I have been wrestling with this question thinking that maybe we were going to drive down to Hansville, Alabama and visit the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament, which is still a possibility, but it looks like a waning one. We're probably in the realm of staycation. But if we want to make a pilgrimage, it turns out there is no shortage of places to go in the state of Missouri to make a good Catholic pilgrimage. And our next guest, Patrick Murphy, has just released a book called Places to Pray, Holy Sites in Catholic Missouri. Patrick, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. All right. So, I mean, what a, I love picture books, by the way, because I am a slow reader. Uh, but this is really a wonderful collection of churches all over the state with some information about the churches and then beautiful pictures that have been taken, as well as some other Catholic tidbits in there, which we'll get to. First and foremost, what prompted the idea to put this together? Well, I had the most fun last year. I traveled all around the state back roads, big cities, tiny little rural churches, the big cathedrals and basilicas of the big cities. And what an incredible journey that was. It was, for me, the convergence of a lot of different things that I'm, I'm interested in. Of course, uh, I'm Catholic. I wanted to 
experience my religion in a broader, more colorful sense. I wanted to see what, what other churches looked like, how they were similar, how they were different. And I knew that starting out the journey that I didn't exactly know where I was going, like on any pilgrimage. You're not quite sure where you're going, but, you know, something interesting is, is going to happen. What's going to intervene? The Holy Spirit's out there somewhere. You know it. And I wanted to open myself up to that experience. But also, it was the convergence of a lot of other things that I'm interested in. History, architecture, design, art, stained glass. And the church figured out a thousand years ago or longer that if you want to pray listen to God, talk to God. You have to be in a different state of mind than your daily monkey chatter brain. If I got to get an oil change, I got to return an email. You've got to be in a special zone where you're receptive to it. And the church has been a master over the centuries of developing architecture, design, places where you can go where, you know how it is when you walk into the new cathedral, the old cathedral, any church, you find yourself in a different state of mind. So I wanted to experience that as well. So that was a long, windy answer to your question, but like a lot of things. No, I, I love it. I used to work part-time in the music office at the New Cathedral here in St. Louis, and I would always tell people, if it's your first visit, don't come five minutes before Mass. Come 25 minutes before Mass or even earlier because you're going to want to look up. And people, oh, that's all right. And then they walk in and their heads are just glued to the ceiling. Uh, and I, I, I was guilty of that. My kids are guilty of that. But it's really, uh, you know, talk about elevating our hearts and our minds and our eyes into yeah. a place where we can pray. So in this context of the state of Missouri, I mean, I'm thinking we might go out to Jefferson City with the kids and go to the state capitol for a day. I'm friends with a couple of folks that work out there. And if we're going to go to Jefferson City, you know, we got we got to hit up the dairy. We may go get some pizza. But there's some places to pray around there. There are. And, and in fact, one of the things that kind of surprised me was growing up in St. Louis, you know, sort of thought that Catholic was kind of a city thing, a St. Louis thing. Uh, boy, was I wrong. Uh, Kansas City, of course, has got uh, a large Irish and Hispanic influence. St. Louis, I mean, there's a, there are parts of the city where there's a church every three blocks, you know, beautiful, beautiful Catholic church. But I also discovered that all over southern and central Missouri, particularly Jefferson City, as you said, in Jefferson City, you know, there are a couple of a couple of cathedrals. And in little towns like Frankenstein, Missouri, have you ever heard of that? These tiny, yeah, it's and it's not named after Mary Shelley's monster. <laughs> they, and they've heard all the jokes, believe me. Dad, where are you taking us? But, you know, right out in the middle of a cornfield, you'll see a Romanesque church or a Byzantine church or, uh, of course, in, in Missouri with so many Germans, you know, like German Gothic, you know, is big. But these beautiful churches, uh, and it's interesting, you'll be coming along a little road past Krakow, Missouri or someplace like that. You'll see on the horizon a steeple. And, you know, yeah, that's the church. I want to... I want to check that out. And they have these wonderful traditions because maybe Polish or Czech or Irish or German, the immigrants went there. The first thing they did in this foreign country, America, where they want to become Americans, but they're not yet. The first thing they did was to build a beautiful church as a community center, but it also is a statement of who they were. And hey, we're here. Wow. <laughs> like it or not, we're here. And this church is an expression of the best of us. I love that. I absolutely love that. All right. Let's take a real quick break here. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with Patrick Murphy about his book, Places to Pray, and some ideas for things you can do, maybe, whether it's spring break or a day trip or a weekend trip, whatever it may be. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere.
Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Periodically on the show, I invite you to make that daily midday examine where you stop for just a few moments and even my little abbreviated version say, all right, what's one thing I'm grateful for today? Say it out loud. Thank you, Lord, for this. And then that area where I'm going to ask specifically for grace. Lord, help me to be more patient with my children. Help me to be more understanding with my wife. Help me to have that grace to be more attentive at work, whatever it may be. And I love this midday exam, and I was thinking maybe for this season of Lent, one of the things I could do would be to write down and keep a journal just every day. What am I thankful for? And then at the end of the season of Lent, I'd have something to look back and say, oh, well, there's where God was working in my life. Our next guest is Deacon Charles Durbin, who essentially has done just that. He's the author of Adventures with the Holy Spirit and is a deacon in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Uh, Deacon Durbin, it's good to have you with us today. Very good to be here, Adam. Thank you. So you have this book, Adventures with the Holy Spirit, and from what you've told me, I mean, and that's exactly what this book is. It's your adventures with, it's not the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. It's Deacon <laughs> Charles' adventures with the Holy Spirit. And some of them may even be termed misadventures, but always with the presence of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, you, before we dive into some of these adventures, I just want to know, how did this come about? How did you decide well, to sit down and write a book one day? It's probably the inspiration of the Holy Spirit there, too, Adam. Uh, one day I was just kind of thinking about all the times the Holy Spirit had been present in my life. And uh, so I said, I'm going to make a list so I, I, I can remember them and maybe even add to them. So I made the list, and <laughs> after that, somehow, the list morphed into a book. <laughs> no intention of writing one, never had an ambition to be an author, but it happened. All right. Well, there there you go. So that one adventure, check right there. <laughs> so the goal of the book is to help readers perhaps look at their own lives and see how the Holy Spirit may be working in their lives. Right. And that that's often best done in the rearview mirror. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is true. (laughs) Speaking from experience. Well, well, let's dive into this. Can you give us an example of how the Holy Spirit was working in your life and then what you learned about that in that rearview mirror? Oh, sure. Sure. And I'll, I'll start with an earlier one. I was probably in my mid to late 20s down in Florida working, um, in a new career. And uh, on one Saturday night, I decided I was going to go out to a place maybe I shouldn't have really been at and got out to the car. The car wouldn't start. Been working fine the whole day. So I tried again, got some buddies to help me, nothing. So I went over to a friend's house, walked in and asked to borrow their car, which had been working fine all day. It didn't start. It was getting to look a little weird here. So I went back, you know, to my car, got in, tried it once more, nothing. So I got out of the car. I stood up. I raised my fist up at the sky and said, will you please leave me alone? (laughs) When I think back on that, I can see it so clearly and it's so laughable. But what I think about now is thank God he didn't listen to me. (laughs) So anyway, of course... I went in and just turned on the TV or something. Next morning, I got up even before breakfast went out. Car started fine. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I mean, talk about providence there and the Lord stepping in, the Holy Spirit stepping in to say, yeah, no, uh, Charles, you're not going to do that today. 
So that is, you know, that's a pretty dramatic example of the Holy Spirit working in your life. But what's one of those ones that maybe took you a little bit longer to say, oh, well, that may have been the Holy Spirit at work? Ooh, I think that's a, that's a good one. And I can come up with, uh, there's, there's many stories like that, and they tend to be somewhat progressive in the book. Um, here's something related to becoming a deacon. So I was in the seminary for about six years, left, went on with education, et cetera, never really thought about uh, being in the seminary or the clerical life or anything after that. So I was at Incarnate Word Parish at a wedding with my wife, and and we were just uh, outside after the wedding, and one of the ladies, uh, kind of the church lady of, of Incarnate Word, came up to me and said, Charlie, have you ever thought about becoming a deacon? And I said to her, not trying to be smart, Alice, what's a deacon? <laughs> I mean, I I kind of knew, but I really didn't know much. And I didn't think about it. I just, you know, somebody interrupted the conversation going on. But a month later, there was another wedding in Incarnate. We were there. Alice comes up to me again and says, Charlie, have you thought about what I said about becoming a deacon? And I said, no, Alice, to be honest, I haven't. But at that point, I couldn't get it out of my mind. So I, I said, well, maybe what I need to do is just call the deacon office and try to find out a little bit more. So I call up, and this voice answers, hello, this is Deacon Jerry Quinn. Can I help you? Jerry Quinn and I were classmates at the seminary, and I had not spoken to him in 35 years. That that got me <laughs> kind of off center, to say the least. Uh, and it just went on from there in terms of coincidences, you know, because Jerry said, well, you know, you could just go for the discernment year and find out about it. And by the way, it just happens to be a class starting in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah I, I love sometimes how, uh, how it works out, especially with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're looking for that big sign and, uh, you know, this is the sign from God, Adam, do this, Charlie, do this. And other times it's like those little breadcrumbs pointing us in the right direction because God doesn't supplant our free will. He lets us make those choices. But if we pay attention, you know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And, and I think of those gifts we receive in confirmation. And how often do we just forget that we even receive those gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, piety, fortitude, fear of the Lord. And and every day I'm on the radio here, I could be asking for wisdom. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Deacon, I, as we close up, I, I do want to ask you this, um, because it's great to hear these two stories from your life. What would you say to our listeners who are hearing us right now and saying, I wish I had the ability to look back at yesterday or this week and see how the Holy Spirit's been working in my life? You know, obviously the the answer would be to make a list, but I think before that it's so important to say, I'm ready for a list. I'm ready for what might come from the list. So Holy Spirit, here I am today. I don't know exactly how you've been in my life, but could you please help me to discern where you've been and where you're leading me? It's a very simple prayer, but one we should be praying every day. Come, Holy Spirit. That right. that invitation, because as we uh, just said, God's not going to supplant our free will. Exactly. So, I mean, if I don't invite you to my house, you're not going to come in unless you're breaking the law. I think he led me through those earlier adventures right up to the point where somebody asked me, have you ever thought about the diaconate, Charlie? That was the whole plan. I didn't know it. I didn't have any idea. But when I look back, I can see 
the crumbs getting larger. <laughs> now, so we just said, uh, most important, first invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life and, and ask for that list. Give me things to see where you are working in my life. What's your discipline? Uh, you know, do you sit down at a certain time of day and write this down or is it part of your daily prayer routine or does it come and go? When do you make your list? The first thing I do is I have about five prayers that I say every morning uh, after I do the office, which, of course, all, all the priests and deacons do. And and that includes a, a consecration to the Holy Spirit. So I'm I'm asking the Holy Spirit that that day that I'm consecrating my life to him in whatever way he leads me. And then there's a prayer to the Our Father, a prayer to Jesus, the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, uh, and also just asking um for the Lord to let me live within his divine will that day. Give me the grace, you know, to do that. I love that. I love asking for that. Give me the grace to live your will. Not just asking me, uh, or, or not not just asking, Lord, help me to know your will, but give me, please give <clears throat> me the grace to do your will. It's a, a beautiful prayer. And even more than do, but to live in. I think that kind of implies an even greater engagement a greater awareness and a greater pulling your whole being into what God wants. Yeah, drawing us deeper into love. I mean, it's one thing for me to begrudgingly do the dishes at home because they've piled up two feet over the top of the sink. It's another to say, you know, my wife's been working hard this week, and I love her, and I don't even want her to have to look at these dishes, so I'm going to do these dishes. I, I th- wish I had the grace to do that every day with God's will. That God, I love you so much, I look forward to doing your will today. You know, and, and there's an interesting corollary to that is having the grace to understand when I'm doing my will. You know, a yeah. lot of times we we aren't even aware that, uh, yeah, that's me wanting to do that, not not the divine will. Indeed. Well, the book is Adventures with the Holy Spirit by Deacon Charles Durbin and a foreword by Archbishop Emeritus Robert Carlson. And that is just wonderful to see. I look forward to reading that. And if you'd like to meet Deacon Durbin and take a look at the book, hear some of these stories, he will be at Catholic Gifts and Books at 13397 Olive Boulevard on March 25th. Deacon, it has been wonderful to hear about your book and wonderful to hear some of these stories. Well, there's many more in the book, and and some of them even in some ways a little more extraordinary, I think. But thank you for that. And uh, it's 11 11 a.m. to 1 uh, on the 25th of March. And it's important uh, for me to say the the Holy Spirit also guided me to say all the proceeds are going to birthright. And I'm halfway to my goal, and I want to get there for them. That's incredible. Uh, Deacon, thank you again for being with us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Here is a, well, here's a catechist question for you today. Recently, members of the RCIA went to their respective cathedrals or various designated places through their diocese for something called the right of election. And now we refer to them as, well, the elect. 
But coming up on this Sunday, the fourth Sunday, and the fifth Sunday of Lent, the newly named elect are going to participate in three successive rites that take place during Sunday Mass, and each is thematically linked to the gospel for that Mass. Do you know what we call these rites? What are the rites that the elect go through on the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent as part of the rite of Christian initiation of adults? Well, I don't want to scrutinize your answer, but if you said scrutinies, you are correct. That's what we refer to them as. And for more on the scrutinies, you can actually go back to an interview we did recently with Matt Swaim here on Roadmap to Heaven on our Roadmap to Heaven podcast and learn all about that. Yesterday on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty gave us four words about the Beatitudes. We're, we're breaking this down into two weeks, and we're just looking at four this week. Do you remember those four words? Do you remember them? I, I do. Poor, mourn, meek. Hunger and thirst. That's really five, but we'll, we'll, we'll classify it as four. Hunger and thirst go together. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's all about the, the stomach there at that point. And, you know, so anyway, Patty, take us away today. All right. Well, again, for those of you who are joining us just for the first time this week, we are talking about the Beatitudes and the reflections I'm going to be sharing with everyone are really just what I read in the Word Among Us from Father Jacques Philippe. He's a fantastic, fantastic spiritual writer. And I was shocked, actually, when I read the first reflection on the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Father Jacques Philippe says this. He said, this first beatitude is actually the most important one because it contains within itself all of the other beatitudes. And I thought, what is he talking about? But he said, what is the kingdom of heaven? It's the infinite richness of life with God. And that's our destiny. That's what we want, right? The kingdom of heaven, this infinite richness of life with God. But what is this poverty that he's talking about? Poor in spirit. Who is this person? And he says, it's not just material poverty. It's for anyone who for any reason is going through a difficult time And because of this can only rely on God. He or she is no longer in control, no longer knows how to solve the problem, no longer secure. And in the end, there's only one thing left to do, to cry out to God, to rely on God. And we all know that this can happen to poor people, of course, those that are materially poor, but it can also happen to people who are materially wealthy. So any time when we actually have to rely on God, when we're at the end of our rope, when there's nothing that we can do, totally out of control, when we rely on God and cry out to God, that's when we are poor in spirit. We're recognizing our own poverty, our limited resources, our limited ability as a human being, and we must count on God. So actually, that's our encouragement for us today. Where is it in your life? That we need to just surrender, turn over to God, cry out to God, rely on God. And then we can remember that we are blessed when we are actually in that position, when we are counting on God to do the work because we ourselves can no longer do it. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And our Lord tells us we are blessed when we're in that position. I'm so glad that you brought this to the forefront of our consideration today because it's so easy to think about the materially poor But how often do we really dive deep into that phrase, poor in spirit? And I am looking forward to our other three words this week as we talk about the Beatitudes. Tonight, you know, I'm giving this talk on discipline, detachment, and gratitude. And you've heard us talk about these themes on the show before, that it's in looking every day in that midday exam, and what am I grateful for today, and then where do I need God's help today? And in seeing, those are two very important questions, you know, uh, 
where am I failing in, in need of God's grace and in need of his help? And then later at the, uh, the full examination of conscience at night, really taking a deep look at that. But then also halfway through the day, where is God working? Where is he acting? We kind of talked about that with Deacon Charlie at the top of the show today. But where is he acting and what is he doing that I'm grateful for? And in seeing what he's doing that I'm grateful for, it's a lot easier to detach from all those things that I think I need in life, all those things that I think I want um, all of those grand illusions I have of myself when we're, you know, we were talking about pride earlier and just to let go and say, all right, I just need to do God's will today. That's what, I, that's what I need to endeavor to do. And if I'm being completely honest with you, sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's incredibly hard. Sometimes uh, life can be disappointing because you're like, all right, I'm so fired up. I'm going to go out there and live trying to do God's will, and we all want to go to heaven, and we all are on board with the mission, and then you go out there and you find out that, unfortunately, not everyone around us is on board with the mission. Not everyone around us sees the virtue in dying to self that we might have eternal life with our Lord one day in heaven. And sometimes it just, I mean, it really does cause me to weep. But am I, you know, as that song reminds me, am I weeping because I'm just so sad that life is hard or am I weeping because I see the brokenness of the world and the the incompleteness of this world and I'm just longing for that fulfillment, longing for that completeness we only find in our Lord. I want to leave you with these words today from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, or St. Bernard of Clairvaux, depending on how you pronounce it. There is no sin, no misery, no discontent, no temptation, no inclination to wickedness, but holiness and peace and security and joy. Rest from toil, pleasures always new, the sight and fruition of God, ever ravishing sweet. And who would not most eagerly desire to dwell in this blissful place? Who would not think himself happy in peace so undisturbed, in pleasure so exquisite, in the vision of God so transcendently glorious? That is how St. Bernard described heaven. No sin, no misery, no discontent, no temptation, no inclination to weakness, wickedness, but holiness and peace, security and joy, rest from toil, pleasures always new, the sight and fruition of God ever ravishing sweet. So when this life is difficult, stand on that promise that if you can live that life of grace with his help, staying in a state of grace, going to the sacraments when you fall out of that state of grace to get back into it, but relying upon God, you and I cannot do this on our own. Stand on that promise so that if we accept his help, we accept his grace. One day we might go to that place where there is no sin, no misery, no discontent, no temptation, no inclination to wickedness, but holiness and peace and security and joy, rest from toil, pleasures always new, the sight and fruition of God ever ravishing sweet. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is so much more in store for the rest of this week that I can't even begin to tell you about it other than you just got to tune in. It's going to be great. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Be sure to check out the podcast, and as the Blessed Mother wants us to do each and every day, pray your rosary today.